Pinder and Steinberg in the afternoon. Brought to you by Glenmore Audi. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Five seconds left. Hannafin to Mangiapane. But he turns it over. And time will run out on the Flames here at Scotiabank Saddledome tonight. As the Predators pick up two important points with a 3-2 win. Another tough one to swallow for the Calgary Flames. No shots for 12-plus to start the third period in a one-goal game with a ton on the line. Another night where the urgency seemed to disappear after a game-tying goal and a really important two points earned by the Nashville Predators. Kleiner, right now the Flames are in a bad spot. I'm not overly confident they're going to all of a sudden dramatically right the ship. I'm not. But if they're going to want to make anything of the season they better start proving those like me wrong like I'm, I'm not super confident that in the final 27 games that okay well now now we're going to become an elite team you just watch but if they are going to have a drastic and significant turnaround now's the time like they're they're now starting to get into a spot where the playoffs are turning into anything but a foregone conclusion on points percentage right now flames aren't in nashville's in over them after last night because they've got two games in hand and are only a point back this is this is turning into a very dire situation for the calgary flames as they head out on a four-game road trip starting tomorrow in vancouver and when you look at the opposition you say those are beatable opponents but are there any opponents the Flames can look at on an NHL schedule right now and say this is a winnable game other than, yeah, if they play the right way and if they go out and do the things they need to do, sure, it's winnable, but they can't put any points in the bank without actually going out and getting the work done at this point. I uh, th- this, is, this has turned into more of a dire situation than I thought it was going to. And now we're talking about a scenario where they've got eight games until the trade deadline. They've got 27 games until the end of the regular season. If they're if they're at any point going to show those on the outside who had high expectations for them coming into the season that those expectations were well-placed, they better start to do it now. Because if they don't, this will be a lost season. This will be a failure of a campaign. Heads will roll. People will be traded. And this will look like a very different group come October. So now's the time. If you don't want that to happen, now's the time to do something about it. But again, Mr. Klein, I can't sit here and say that I'm overly confident that's going to happen because we're 55 games in and it hasn't happened yet. I mean, realistically, the time was a few games ago. We've said now's the time a number of times during this season and before games. And okay, well, big one against the Oilers. Now's the time. Build a- Lost 2 nothing against Montreal. Okay, well, goalie stole you one for, uh, against Toronto. Now's the time. Come out and lose 5-2 to two against the Ottawa Senators. We keep saying that this is an inconsistent bunch, and quite frankly, I think we're off on that. This team has been very consistent for most of the season in disappointing effort after disappointing effort, and it's the games like we see against Edmonton and parts of it against St. Louis, minus the goaltending, Those are the games that are the outliers now instead of the, well, this is what this team can do. What this team can do is what they did last night against Nashville. And that's a, okay, well, oh, hey, look at that early goal. And then, well, let's not 
going in for any puck battles or anything like that. It's we, we continue to expect this team to play up to their best, and they simply haven't done that minus a few splotches here and there on the schedule. Overall, this has just been a very average to, quite frankly, below average team 90% of the season, and the time to turn that around was a while ago. You're, you're right. You can't pencil any points in because you've lost to Montreal, Ottawa, San Jose, and Nashville. There, there's no reason to believe anything but, well, maybe they'll get it on a, a night-in, night-out basis. I have no confidence they're going to go into any of those games in California and come out of there with two points. We've already seen this team can very easily lose to San Jose. They've already lost to the Kings twice this year, and they never win in Anaheim. So I I have no confidence in anything that this group is doing right now, and I'm, I'm with you. I, I think there are going to be a few players on this team that aren't around when the season starts up again in October. Well, and... First of all, uh, they've won 100% of their games in Anaheim this season, Klein, so bite your tongue. Um, so that uh, your, your inaccuracy oh, well appall me. Um, they did win in Anaheim earlier this year. <laughs> but, uh, that was on October 20th, a 2-1 win in Anaheim oh, on October out. 20th. Um, I guess there's a few things. First of all, Am I 100% or or close to 100% confident that all of a sudden they're going to drastically turn this thing around? No, I'm not because of what we've seen for 55 games. But the opportunity is still there for them to do so. So they still have an opportunity to write a different story for themselves. They still have an opportunity to change the narrative that is being spoken about with the Calgary Flames. That That opportunity is right in front of them. And they have an opportunity to seize it. So we'll see if they do. But if they don't, and if this does turn into a lost season, if they don't figure it out, and we're talking here on April 5th or April 6th, I guess would be the Monday, and we're talking about a year out of the playoffs and the Flames, again, not being able to make it back-to-back years in the postseason, something they haven't done for a decade, then yeah. This is this is going to be a summer of change for the team because I don't know how you can stand Pat knowing what you have seen basically from January 2019 or February 2019 on. And what you've seen from the most important players on this team from February 2019 on, what you saw in the playoffs against Colorado and what has been the inconsistent the consistent inconsistency of this season. Um, look, we've seen games where you come away saying, geez, Flames played really well. That's that's pretty good hockey team over there. And then we've seen games like San Jose, uh, the third period last night, Edmonton on Saturday. They just went 0-3 on a homestand, and they looked impressive for very, very minuscule parts of it. So... Yeah, if, if you're a Flames fan and you're frustrated right now, if you're a Flames fan and you're upset right now, if you're a Flames fan and you're cynical when it comes to your outlook right now, I understand because this is a frustrating team to cheer for if you're a Flames fan right now because you know what you saw last year. And it's it's all great for Lou to say and for other people to say last year's last year and this year's this year, but we all have memories 
We all know what happened last year. It's hard to separate from the outside what happened last year. We've seen this team be capable of much better, and now to see them scuffling and trudging along like they are right now is extremely frustrating, and it makes you wonder what this group is made of and if this team has what it takes, if this core has what it takes to win when it matters the most, and if this core has what it takes to be anything other than a team that makes the playoffs, and that's about it. Again, it's on them to prove that's not the case. It's on them to change their narrative. We'll see if they do it. Welcome to the show. Pinder and Steinberg's underway. My name is Pat Steinberg. Peter Klein is with us as well. We're live from the Scotiabank Saddledome on this Friday afternoon. Let's take a look back on last night. Calgary, Nashville, have the to? Scotiabank Saddledome. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately. <laughs> they, yeah. you know, we, have a, we have a very, very proud sponsor who does this. So not unfortunately. But yes, the game was unfortunate. But it is time for our Game in a Minute. Game in a Minute, brought to you by Hyatt Infinity. Warm up with these hot deals. Save up to $15,000 on a cash purchase of the 2019 QX80 and save up to 12000 on a cash purchase of the 2019 Q60. Good evening, hockey fans, and welcome inside Scotiabank Saddledome for an important Western Conference showdown between Matthew Kachuk and the 27-21-6 Calgary Flames and Roman Yossi and the 25-20-7 Nashville Predators. Handles into the corner, centers it, netted, scores! Great start for the Flames. Just 33 seconds into the first period, Sam Bennett jams the puck past UC Soros. It is 1-0 Calgary. He finds Ekholm jumping up. Ekholm drops it, Turris shoots it. That shot gets blocked, and now Turris scores! A broken play as Kyle Turris's first shot got blocked, but no Flames were able to clear the puck away, and then he buried his own rebound, and the Predators have taken a 2-1 lead. Drop it off, Yossi to Turris. The Yossi with a one-timer stop. Rebound, they score! Mikhail Granlin pushes the puck past a down-and-out Cam Talbot, and they've got a 3-1 lead. Kachuk trying to drop, Lindholm attempts a shot, has it blocked, Kachuk to play the puck right point to Anderson who shoots and scores! Rasmus Anderson zips the puck past UC Soros and they cut the Predators lead to 3-2. to two. He spins away from Yossi, leaves it for Bennett, Bennett centers, Backlund is stopped by Soros! Another great chance for Michael Backlund! Five seconds left, Hannafin, Dimanjapani, but he turns it over, and time will run out on the Flames here at Scotiabank Saddledome tonight, as the Predators pick up two important points with a 3-2 win. Your game in a minute from last night. The Flames fall 3-2 to the Nashville Predators. This is, um, this is a frustrating time, and... Certainly a frustrating time if you're a member of that coaching staff. Listen to Jeff Ward, the head coach, last night. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, got to be. It's about compete right now, and it's about how hard you want to compete. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, when there's a loose puck, are we getting it or are they getting it? And right now, we're not getting it enough. So, you know, say what you want, but we got to be way, way more desperate. 
Jeff. Jeff was talking about needing to play playoff hockey now, and when we talk about playoff teams, you look at a team's identity. Are they a skill team? Are they a, are they a speed team? What do you think the identity is of this team right now? Well, I think we got to find it. I thought we had it for a while, but uh, we've got to find it again. You know, right now it's, you know, we tried to be a scoring team last year. We saw what happened at playoff time. You know, so it's like we've got to, we got to check in now and make sure that we get back to our identity because we're not there. That's an accurate comment. As, as the coach, and you mentioned they need to be more desperate. As a coach, how, it's not something, there's not a drill for that. Like, how, what do you do? How do you approach that? Well, you know what? Like, at this time of the year, room's got to take themselves over. Like, we understand, everybody understands how they got to play. You know, we understand what works for us and what doesn't work for us. We talked about the other day about being self-aware. Where are we good? Where are we bad? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? You know, I mean, at the end of the day, we've got to go out and play. You know, so right now, if we're, if we're having issues with how we need to play, if we don't understand how we need to play, then we're in trouble. You know, like, you look at good teams at this time of year, the, the veteran players and the team drive itself in a lot of cases. You know, so right now, it's like, at the end of the day, you know, we collectively just, we have to be better, we have to be more desperate, we have to compete harder, and we have to understand what our identity is and we've got to start playing to it. What is your level of anger or frustration with the group right now, given everything you've just said? Well, I, I'm no different than everybody else. You know, I mean, I know we can be better, for sure. We can be better in a lot of areas, but, it, you know, at the end of the day, at this time of year, it comes down to compete. Like, how bad do you want it? You know, it's... I mean, I can't see it any more playing than that. Admittedly, uh, Jeff, uh, when, when we talk to the players, they seem to have the, the right answers and saying this is a desperate time of year, but how do they, is there any way to suggest how do they turn those words into action on the ice? Ask them that. You know, like, with different people, it's going to be different ways. You know, like, what do you do when you got to write a better story? You know, you know, like, turn it into any walk of life. You know, like, this is our job, so what do we, what do we have to do to make it better? I mean, for different people, it's different things. They've got to, you know, we've got to play to our strengths. We've got to understand what that is. We just, <clears throat> you know, we need, we really need to take a, a hard look there. And we, you know, I thought at parts of the game we're okay tonight. You know, at the end of the night, defensively, we were okay. But again, two or three major breakdowns to end up in goals. Um, offensively, didn't get enough traffic to the net. Like the dirty jobs. You know, we have to we have to pay attention to those jobs. You know, like the uh, there's a lot of things in a hockey game that need to be done. Um, but just do things that you know that make a difference. You know, you want to be you want to be an uncommon player at this time of the year. Do the do the things that everybody can do, but a lot of people don't want to do. You know, like block a shot, take a hit to make a play, get to the front of the net. You know, get greasy in the dirty areas of the game. You know, I think structure-wise, we're all, we're all fine with the structure, but there's a lot more that goes into building the house than just the structure. You got to put, you know, once you got the foundation up. And you got the joists up and everything else. You got to fill the house out. So for us, we got to 
you know, we got to make sure that we're doing a lot more in, in those gritty areas that, that make differences in games. So, you know, like, I don't think we have to look past that, really. Were these issues present before the loss of Mark Giordano? Yeah. You know, this, this isn't something that just happened tonight. You know, I mean... Uh, like I said, we've we've played stretches where we've been good, you know. But consistently, these are the things at playoff time that you have to pay attention to all the time. You know, I, like you you guys tell me, look at teams that go on long playoff runs. What stands out about them? You know, do you want me to extol the values of that? Like, you know, I mean, our, that's where it's at. You know, we got a decision to make as a team. Are we prepared to do it, or? Because if we keep doing what we're doing, we're going to get more of the same. You know, that's, that's the bottom line. You had said last week you wanted him to play angrier. That was missing tonight? I, I, I thought at points we had it. But, you know, when you come out in the third period and you, you don't get a shot for the first ten minutes, you know, and you're in a one-goal game, you know, I, I mean, you look at the power play goal. We, we have a chance to pressure and we don't. You know, the third goal, and then we don't get in the shooting lane. Like, you know, that's we, we got to be better there. Could a road trip be a good thing at this point in time? For sure. You know, I mean, we, I, yeah, a road trip can be a good thing. You know, I think right now to just get away with the team and, you know, focus on ourselves for a little while, get the guys together could be just what the doctor ordered. But... You know, I mean, we're all in this together. We just, we, we got to be, we got to be harder. You know, we just, we have to be harder. The time of year demands it, you know, and we've got to make sure that we're stepping up to the plate and making sure that those things happen. I mean, we're making a lot of goalies look good right now because we're not, we're not getting traffic there. You know, you look at our goals tonight, traffic. You know, another one's a net drive. Like we talk about playing inside all the time. You want to score in this league, you got to play inside. You got to be prepared to play inside. Tonight, we didn't play inside enough again. So That is head coach Jeff Ward from last night, and no mincing words there. No. He just finished talking about 10 minutes ago. You know, still pretty, um, still pretty frustrated, still pretty pointed about his criticisms and his thoughts about this team. And, and you know what, Kleiner? That was not one game of frustration that boiled over. That was a month or two months of frustration that boiled over in a lackluster effort against Nashville last night. Yeah, and it, it's something that we've been talking about for a bit is looking for consistent efforts and trying to find where this team went or where last year's team went. And just scrolling through the uh, the schedule here, this team hasn't won a game by more than a goal since December 27th against the Edmonton Oilers. So even even when they are beating teams, it's just by the skin of their teeth and it's grinding these games out. They haven't really put together that consistent run that we saw at the start of last season. We are about a full season removed from that at this point. But since the, the start of last year where it was, okay, this is a team that can hang with anyone and this is a team that can be one of the top teams in the Western Conference. They've just been there. And it's, 
it looks like they're waiting for someone else to step up and for someone else to take over. And from a coach, when you see the amount of talent that this team has, and I still think there's a lot of talent on this team, maybe not enough, but I still think there's a lot of talent on this team. When you look at that and you see what that talent is doing with the talent they have, it must be infuriating. And for Jeff Ward, clearly it is because of what you heard last night. Yep. Well, here's a few texts at 960-960 on the text line. This reads, I wish Jeff Ward told us how he really felt. Wow, that was quite something. <laughs> yeah, um, you just really let go. That'd be great. This coach's interview is a classic. The Flames are coach killers. This is nothing new. Lacking drive and motivation. A couple of years ago, they had Glenn Gullitson tossing a stick up into the second level of the Saddle Dome because he was frustrated with the Flames' lack of effort. Nothing's really changed in years, and it's the same issues. Character, motivation, desire, will to win. Absolutely nothing has changed. This don't, reads. Don't disagree. The general manager said there are some decisions to be made. The only decision to be made is how many green garbage bags they should stock up on. In fairness, they don't really do the green garbage bags anymore. No. It's no. too bad. I wish they did. Yeah. You know, whenever a team's that, – that used to be – that used to be the thing. But, you know, over the last decade or so, when teams finish their seasons, the green garbage bags don't really exist anymore. Yeah, that's too um, bad. It was a good tradition, you know. It really was. Why mess with a good thing? <laughs> Uh, wow, what a clip from Ward. Very telling. He's frustrated with the room and no accountability from his players. Really raw and true. Love him as a coach. Uh, this reads, the star players on this team are not stars. They're really good players. They're put in the wrong role. Unfortunately, they're not buying in as a team. This reads, I think we have to face the fact last year was the outlier. Everybody had a career year in the same season, and they never really faced any adversity. What we've seen this year is sadly closer to the norm over the years with this group. This team might make the playoffs, and given the mediocrity of the division, could even win a round or two, but that should not fool us into thinking this team doesn't require a major offseason shakeup. This is not a coaching issue. How many coaches have come and gone and can't get any consistency from this group? The core of this team needs to change. What else we got here at 960-960? Um, there was one more I wanted to read. Here's one from Mike. The Flames are what they are at this point. They've been incredibly average since February of last season, and they've continued that same trend today. This team just can't score. Where they are ranked in team, sh where are they ranked in team shooting percentage, Pat? Um, I can go look that up quickly, but they are they are one of the lowest scoring teams in the NHL this year. After being a top five team in terms of offense a year ago, they are one of the bottom third teams in the NHL in goals per game this year. It's it's hard to wrap your head around how how this season has been such a juxtaposition of last year. And again, you can tell me all you want that last season does not impact this season. And in a lot of ways, you'd be right. But you know what else? Our memories still exist. And we still remember what happened last year. And we still look at that and say, okay, well, they did those things. Those things, they, they weren't mirages. They, they weren't, we weren't dreaming those things. They happened. So to hold a team accountable expectation-wise to what they did a year ago isn't crazy. But at the same time, I think what we're realizing is last season wasn't really indicative of what this group is. 
the hope would be, if you're a Flames fan, that this season isn't indicative of what they are either, <laughs> and it's somewhere in the middle. That would be what the hope would be at this point. But I think you can be quite certain that last year was not what this group is all about. Yeah, Lots and more still to come. But go, sorry, go ahead, Con. I, I get last year there was a lot of career years, but it wasn't like there was career years from everyone who was 35, uh, Geo notwithstanding. But it's, you have guys who are 24, 25, 26 years old having career years when they're supposed to be having career years. Not saying that you then build on those, but you don't come crashing down to earth everyone simultaneously, with a couple exceptions. I, I get that everyone had a career year, but it's not like it was just out of nowhere. There were star players who were just playing like superstar players. To come crashing down this bad is mind-boggling to me. Yeah, it has been a uh, it has been a very difficult season if you're a Flames fan to this point. The good news is technically they're in a playoff spot, and there's 27 games to go. Bad news is they're not in a playoff spot by points percentage, and they're not trending in a great direction. Are you glass half full or are you glass half empty? That's kind of up to you. Coming up later on today, Sports Drive at 5. Between 5 and 6 o'clock, it's brought to you by Pete the Plumber, the superheroes of plumbing and heating. Call 403-257-1766 or find them at PeteThePlumber.com for all your plumbing and heating needs. Well, we're going to continue the conversation around the corner. We'll ask and attempt to answer some important trade-related questions when it comes to the flames around the corner. Pinder and Steinberg is underway on a Friday afternoon. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Calgary guys talking Calgary sports. Pinder and Steinberg are only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Brought to you by Glenmore Audi. Let me read a text to kick off the pro to kick off the segment. This comes in from a nameless texter, but it's a good one to get us into this topic. Guys, this makes me wonder where Johnny went. I would have a hard look in that direction. Everyone talks about moving guys up and down, but all we hear about Gaudreau is, oh, well, he's not doing anything again quickly, then move on to something else. He is an expensive, integral part of the team, and he's invisible. Welcome back to Pinder and Steinberg. It's Pat Steinberg and Peter Klein along with you. Let's have a hard conversation about Johnny Gaudreau because it needs to be had. This guy is a shadow of his former self. He is not scoring at the rate that we are used to him scoring at. He is hurting the team defensively on a regular basis, and he looks completely and utterly disengaged right now. I do not, to preface this whole conversation, I do not think trading him right now in season makes a lot of sense. At least while the season's going on, I do not think trading him is the way to go. But if your most important offensive player is going to play like he is right now and like he has for the vast majority of this season, no wonder they're struggling. He is. He has been this team's offensive catalyst for the better part of a half decade, and he is the most important offensive player they have. That is not a knock on Lindholm or Kachuk or Monaghan, or it's, but there's no doubt about it. The most dynamic, the most dangerous and the most game-planned-for player on the Calgary Flames is Johnny Gaudreau. And if he is going to play the way that he has played this year and take the points away from it, because the points aren't great for what we're used to, but it's not like they're awful from a league-wide standpoint, but separated just from the points, which are down by his standards by a large degree, it's also what he's doing outside of goals and assists right now. He's bailing on plays. 
He is floating at the offensive blue line. He's no good defensively, and... To make matters worse, it's not like those things are brand new with Johnny Gaudreau. It's not like we're, we're talking about a Selkie Trophy nominee who has all of a sudden skirted his defensive responsibilities. We're not talking about a guy who was once a, a physical prowess who went into the corners hard and won puck battles and now isn't doing that. Like A lot of these things came along with the Johnny Gaudreau package when he was putting up 90 points in a year. But now he's not outscoring those issues. So he's still no good defensively, and he's still not physically engaged, and he's still floating at the offensive blue line at times, but now the points aren't coming. Trading him now is a sell-low situation, and I don't believe that is something the Flames should do. However, the offseason is a different conversation if this does not figure itself out. If Johnny Gaudreau does not start putting up offense at a rate that we are more used to from him, that we know he's capable of, or at least has been capable of in the past, or if he doesn't start to look like a more engaged player on the ice, the Flames are going to have a very important decision to make this offseason. Because right now, he is hurting the team more than he is helping the team, and you can't have that from a guy who makes $6.75 million a year on your team. You just can't have that. So, that's a, that's that's how I will start the hard conversation about Johnny Gaudreau Kleiner because I don't think now is the time to be thinking about trading him or moving him. I do think now is the time to figure it out if you're Johnny Gaudreau, but if that doesn't happen, now is going to become pretty quick because the summer is going to be here pretty quick. And if this is what we're going to see from Gaudreau for the rest of the year, knowing what we've seen from him in the postseason in his three trips there, the Flames might not have a choice but to seriously explore a trade this offseason. Well, and last night I thought was a prime example of it. You have your captain, Mark Giordano, go out. Everyone is saying it's time for everyone else to step up. And if you are placed in the position that Johnny Gaudreau has been placed in for, as you mentioned, the, the better part of the last half decade, then you're the one who should be doing the stepping up. Like, I get everyone needs to, but you kind of need to a little bit more. And there was uh, a board. They might even be showing it now on the replay on Sportsnet. Uh, there was a board battle on the, the far side wall. And instead of going in for support, he kind of just breezed by it. And I get you're not going to have all five guys digging in there, but you kind of need more than one. And it was just the, the perfect example of what he has been doing basically all season long. And I don't know if teams are just playing him a bit more physically and he doesn't want to engage in that, or if they're playing him differently and he hasn't adjusted or whatever. There have been a number of different ways people have speculated around this. I'm not going to get into all that because you're just speculating on the uh, motivations of a young hockey player. Regardless of what the reason is, this is far from the player that we saw last season when he was dominant or even the last five. He, when he's dominating shifts and dominating periods and dominating games, he's barely dominating just offensive zone time. There are way too many times where you don't notice him. And just while we were talking here, since the, the break last year, uh, the Calgary Flames with Johnny Gaudreau have played 86 games. He has 68 points. That is not close to good enough. If you are going to be someone who's taking up that much of the, the cap for the Flames and is put in the positions that he is, he needs to be the one that is stepping up in these situations where your team is in desperate need of a boost 
and they don't have a shot for the first 12 minutes of a third period in game you need to have, he should be the one who is stepping up. Not everyone is going to be Elias Lindholm and being that solid 200-foot player, but you got to get at least, I don't know, 50 of it down, and he hasn't at any point this year to me, really. It's been a uh, it's been a really really frustrating year. Johnny Gaudreau has the among forwards on this team. Johnny Gaudreau has the highest offensive zone start on the squad. He is cresting almost sixty percent in terms of his offensive zone start. He is just barely breaking even on possession. That's that's not what you're looking Jeez. for. And and even more disturbing is how many five-on-five chances for and against he's been out there for. Uh, according to Natural Stat Trick, and again, it's, it's one website's metric, but over a full season or even over 55 games, when you're talking about chances from the house and on either side of the ice when Gaudreau's out there at five-on-five, it starts to tell you a story. 144 chances against, 117 chances for. Now that's that's a significant margin in terms of 10 bell chances being put on Calgary's net as opposed to the opposition's net when Gaudreau is out there. And here's the thing. The frustrating part about all of it is what we've seen from him in the past. And, and the, the word that you use, Kleiner, is bang on. There have been times over the last half decade where this guy has been dominant not just slippery not just really skilled but almost uncontainable and I think there there are so many different theories that you could throw at a wall as to why it's not there for him right now I've got my own theories about what's happening on the ice I don't know how like I don't know how quantifiable they are I think that teams have really honed in on how to defend him better. I think you can see it visually with your eyes, and I wonder, I, I have a fairly good feeling that plays a part in this. I believe he is frustrated because he's not getting calls anywhere near as much as he has in the past. Uh, I think referees have become a little uh, frustrated and tired with some of the barking and chirping and beaking that they hear from Gaudreau. And so that has led them to call fewer penalties on him, which has meant that he's drawn fewer penalties, which has led to him being more frustrated. Those are two of my theories as to why he has looked so much less effective this year than at any point in his NHL career, including his rookie season. Those are my theories, but they're only theories. The fact of the matter is, I don't know how to fix it because I'm not him. Yeah, I don't make $6.75 million. I'm not in the NHL, but I know this. When star players go through frustrating seasons, it's on them to refine their game, change their game, do something different so that they return to being return to be star players once again. Right now, Johnny Gaudreau is not a star player. Johnny Gaudreau is a player with a lot of skill and a guy that is extremely offensively dangerous. But the, what we have seen from him for the better part of this year has not been a star player. So, no, I don't think trading him before the deadline makes any sense at all because I think you're no. selling low on somebody that could get you something important in the offseason. And I think the opportunity to sell at a much higher price returns once you get to the summertime, once you get to the draft, once this season is a little in the past, and maybe the body of work is taken more into account. I don't think trading him now is the best bet for the Flames. But if this doesn't rectify itself, and if they miss, or if they make and he's invisible, 
I think that you have to seriously explore it if you're the Calgary Flames. Yeah, 100%. I, I could not agree more. And there are a lot of times where we talk about, or where I've talked about, if this season doesn't, or if this season ends the same way last one did, big changes will be made. That's kind of the one I'm referring to, is that I, I would be surprised if he would be with the Flames if this season goes the way last season did, or if it continues to go the way it does now. And it's not only that I think you're selling it now, or selling low on him now, because I think teams will still say, well, no, this is potentially a talented player. It's a rut, but we can fix him. I, I don't know if the offseason changes that. I just think you look at the, the trade market right now and half of the league, at least half of the league, just isn't adding players like Johnny Gaudreau. Like the, the LA Kings aren't actively looking to get better right now. They're looking to sell off some resources to get a little bit younger and, and make a go for it next year or whatever. When you make a move at the, um, at the draft, you're including the other 30 NHL teams, not just the ones that are competing right now. So just from a math standpoint, it makes more sense to do a move of this nature at the draft instead of at the deadline when you have the entire league potentially getting in on it. A lot of people have kind of zeroed in on a potential New Jersey move. They certainly aren't in the market for doing that right now. I don't know how much sense that makes from a Devils standpoint. They maybe want to get better immediately. Johnny doesn't have a no-trade clause as far as I'm concerned uh, or as far as I'm aware of, so... As far as I'm yeah, as far concerned. as I'm concerned, yeah, I just I gloss over that in the contract. I don't care, uh, but no, as far as I'm aware of, he doesn't have a, a no trade clause. So, I mean, to be perfectly frank, everyone's suggesting that they trade him out east so that Johnny is happier out there. If you're making a trade like that, I, I the happiness of Johnny Gautreau doesn't really enter the, into the occasion a whole lot. It's what can we get that help the Calgary Flames? So. I, I think it's a move that if you are going to make it, and it's not just automatic, okay? Well, lost in five in the playoffs, got to trade Gaudreau. It's certainly a debate that needs to be had, but if that is the way you're going to go, you don't do it right now. You do it at the draft or leading up to free agency. And I don't think the Flames would do it either, but I remember vividly. You know what this reminds me so vividly of? And, I, Kleiner, I don't I, – I, I'm fairly – up on your life story and you know i like to i like to think that i know intimate things about your life even if you don't want me to know them okay and even if you've never told them to me i, I don't know um, no but i don't remember where you were in 2010 it was just over a decade ago that mm -hmm. dion phaneuf was traded and the narrative around dion phaneuf was so i so so eerily similar to the identity, uh, rather to the to the narrative and the conversation around Johnny Gaudreau right now. And what I mean by that is, Dion Phaneuf got here and took the the Flames by storm, took the city by storm. He was a Calder Trophy nominee in year one. He was a Norris Trophy nominee in year two. Like this guy was the greatest draft pick in Flames history, if you ask people early on. And then all of a sudden into year th year 3 it was still a pretty uh it was still a pretty good narrative around Dion Phaneuf but into that fourth year with the team all of a sudden the narrative started to change and by the fifth year when he was traded everybody was checked out on the guy he played 55 games with the Flames in 0910 and was traded in late January and boy does it feel eerily similar to the conversation surrounding Johnny Gaudreau right now, where he lit the world on fire, was the toast of the town, and this guy was the greatest draft pick in Flames history, and now all of a sudden the narrative has changed. And this is one of the most hot-button conversations surrounding the Flames in the city right now. 
I don't think the Flames will trade him before the deadline. But I also remember sitting here talking and taking phone calls in overtime. That was my first year of doing full-time phone calls. And I remember saying the same things. No, I don't think the Flames will trade Dion Phaneuf. If that were to ever happen, it would happen in the offseason. And they traded Dion Phaneuf that year. I'm not saying the Flames are going to trade Johnny Gaudreau before the trade deadline, which is less than three weeks away. All I'm saying is, boy, does it feel eerily similar. And Johnny Gaudreau, as it stands right now, has 27 games to rewrite his narrative and to to shut us up. And I'm not saying that we don't deserve to be talking right now, because we do. But he's got 27 games to change that narrative, to play significantly better, to be the offensive catalyst of this team once again. It's on him to do that. It really is. Yeah. I, uh, this is... This, it is so crazy how this feels like the conversation we were having at about this time and throughout the season 10 years ago. And just because you like intimate details about my life, um, I was actually in Toronto at that time. And, fun fact, was at Matt Stajan's last game as a Toronto Maple Leaf, a 5-3 loss to the uh, the Vancouver Canucks. So, there you go. Fun fact about Peter. Um, and by the way, just, just by the way... Hmm? one of the big reasons why I don't think trading Johnny in season makes any sense if they were ever to go down that road Ken. is because of the garbage return they got from Dion <laughs> And that's, look, Matt Stajan turned into a, a great member of the Calgary Flames, and he was, a, you know, he played a thousand games here, and he was a, a loyal soldier, and, you know, for a good chunk of his time, he's a really effective player here. But to get one guy back for what Dion Phaneuf was at that time, one guy who played anything longer than about a season and a half here, it was an absolute debacle of a trade. You can't do that with Johnny Gaudreau. You can't You can't do that, and that's why I think doing it in season would be a mistake. No, I, I agree. I mean, there's a number of reasons why, and that one certainly is a cautionary tale because that was, whew. Yeah, not, uh, not what you would expect for what the, the Flames had in, in Dion Phaneuf, and I I, I, if you were to trade Johnny Gaudreau right now, I don't know what it would look like. A lot of people have floated out a lot of different ideas. I don't know if any of them are great or realistic, but yeah, I, I think this is one you have to wait for the off season to do just because you have more teams involved and more teams looking to improve immediately instead of right now where teams are just looking to fire off uh, unrestricted free agents and get some draft picks back. That was a fun conversation. That was. I was thinking about the Dion thing while I was prepping for the show watching practice today. It is so eerily similar to the conversation that was being had around Dion Phaneuf, who i got to be honest with you, probably the last player that took this city by storm as a rookie and as a draft pick, quite like Johnny Gaudreau did uh, yeah. a number of years later. It's uh, And I'm not saying it's going to end the same way. I'm not trying to say that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying that the conversation that we're having right now is very similar to the conversation we were having a decade ago leading up to the Dion Phaneuf trade. And it's that a is comparison. a cautionary tale of why you shouldn't do it in season <laughs> just to do it, is, is I guess the moral of the story. Yeah. Um, Good chat. Full disclosure, every weekday, 6.45 a.m. with Will Nault. It's brought to you by BMW Motorworks, the only independent shop that works exclusively on BMWs and will beat any competitor's quotes on 51st Ave and 3rd Street Southeast or Google Motorworks Calgary. Pinder and Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on The Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hello. 
haven't spoken to you yet this hour, so it's good to hear your voice. Yes, no, it's been, uh, I, I, that says time to turn up the heat. We've been bringing the heat all segment, I don't know, or all show. I don't know where that drops So hot, Klein. All right. (laughs) I spit hot fire. Uh, All right. Question number one. Uh, I'm never going to do that again, ever. (laughs) Question number one, as we look at things from a Calgary Flames. There's one person who thinks I'm funny, and it's me. (laughs) Um, Calgary Flames. Lost last night. Kind of sucked. With everything going on around Geo and everything we've been talking about for the last uh, 56 minutes or so, has the goal? I know I've asked this before, but have the goalposts changed at all for what a successful season is for the Flames? We just talked about potentially trading a star player. I guess what I'm asking is, how bad would the season have to end for that to happen, or what what would have to happen for that not to happen? I guess I've asked about nine questions there, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, I I I I I definitely know what you're getting at. Um. What it comes down to for me is less about how the team finishes and more about how certain players impact the team in how they finish. So let's whether they make the playoffs or miss the playoffs, it's all about what we see from the most important guys. Now, if they miss the playoffs, pretty darn good bet that the most important guys aren't very good. If they make the playoffs and say that they win a couple rounds and these players that are in question all of a sudden become playoff performers, well, I think the conversation changes. If they make the playoffs, sneak in as a 7 or 8 as a wild card or one of the three Pacific Division teams, and then once again the most important players on this team take a significant step back once we're in the postseason, then I don't think the conversation changes. So I think it's 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 different across the board, and it's less to do with the actual results themselves and more to do with what we see from the guys in question in terms of, of how we evaluate this thing. Okay, that's a very reasonable response, and uh, you're one for one so far. We're rolling. All right. Woo! Um, let's, let's get a little weirder with uh, question number two, the real football season. Starts this weekend. XFL. You're fired. Okay, so the Vince McMahon needs some work. Uh, but XFL version 2.0 starting up this weekend. You're fired. Much better. Um, eh. Oh, don't. Eh, that was a clip. That's a 10-8 round, sir. Anyway, you excited for the XFL? You going to watch any of it? Where are we at XFL-wise? judging rounds that you're involved <laughs> in. Um... Yeah, I'll watch it just because I'm fascinated. Uh, I don't know how much of it I'll watch. You know, I'm I'm curious to see some of the former CFL names that are down there, from Mark Trestman to Jamie Elizondo to to some of the players. I, I'm I'm curious to see, and I'm also curious because Vince is positioning this in a very different way than two decades ago. Two decades ago, it was we're taking the NFL down, the NFL's junk, we're the WWF, we're going after them. Like it was right in the heart of the Attitude Era, right? And it was like. Yeah. All right, that was as, as large a failure as we've ever seen. This time they're saying, no, this is not a competitor to the NFL. This is a supplement to the NFL. And they're they're positioning it as a league that will give you good football, will be entertaining, will be a little bit different, and will be an opportunity for guys to get to the NFL. And, you know, I... I they tried it with whatever the what was the last one called the a year ago what do we call it the the AAF um, 
the yeah the All American Football League, like just and the and Alliance of American Football. Oh, that's what it was, Alliance yeah. of American Football. How quickly I forget, but <laughs> I think that that had the right idea in its timing and when they did it get make it a supplement give us more football to quench our appetite and don't position it as a, a competitor to the NFL so mm-hmm. i'm going to watch at least i'm going to watch initially and that will determine if i keep on watching but i am fascinated by it i am and i'm fascinated because of how drastically different the approach is this time as opposed to last time uh, the PVR for me is set for all four games this weekend. I don't know if I'll watch all four of them by the time we're back on Monday, but uh, they'll they'll be sitting there on the PVR waiting for me, if nothing else. Um, also, quick plug for something that has nothing to do with us, but uh, the Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard podcast talks about the XFL and how bat-crap crazy Vince McMahon was with it, and that is a must-listen. He brought all the wrestling producers like, all right, let's do football. <laughs> like We've watched three football games between like the ten of us, so I don't know what you want us to do. It's hilarious. And quite the look into the Vince McMahon psyche. Anyway, question number three. Um, the GOAT back this weekend. John Jones is fighting inside the UFC's octagon. Where is your interest level at for that one? I'm interested. Uh, I, I'm quite interested to see how he performs. I'm very excited to get your recap on Monday of John Jones. And when you say when you say the goat, you're not wrong. I heard you talking about. I heard you talking UFC with Kirsch on Hockey Central at noon. Uh, but I, I heard you talking about it earlier. And you're right. Has there been a more naturally talented human being to ever enter the? eight walls of the octagon before i don't think there is and i know that there have been a lot of troubles outside of the octagon for john jones but when he's in there the guy's unbeatable so when you're talking about greatness and that's what i think he is then i'm absolutely interested in seeing this and it's uh it's a shame that all of what has happened outside of fighting has followed John Jones and I think will always be a part of his legacy. But what he has done inside the octagon, we've never seen anything like it before in the sport. He is the greatest of all time. I don't think there's any doubt about it. So, yeah, I'm excited for his return. All right, two and a half out of three for a bad Vince McMahon uh, impersonation. But oh, so other I than lost, that, Did I lose points for that? Yeah, you lost half a point for that. So I got the right answer, but I lost. It was like I was uh-huh. holding the cage or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, fair enough. Right. The, you know what? I, you're a hard marker, Klein. You're someone was marker. offside on the, the zone entry, so it doesn't really count. But yeah, two and a half out of three. Somebody, uh, Somebody's mad at us because I said that it was a good chat about Johnny Gaudreau. Um, oh. apparently, apparently we're not allowed to have hard conversations and maybe agree with things. Um, 83-63, go away. That'll do it for the first hour You're of the Steinberg Show. Far. Yes, Yes, you are. Uh, he's Peter Klein. My name is Pat Steinberg. Pinder joins us around the corner. And I believe this is one of the most fascinating trade deadlines the Flames have been a part of in a long, long time. We'll tell you why next on Pinder and Steinberg, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.